0: of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <coughs> my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, and your Savior. the elder son was out in the fields, and on his way back, <coughs> he drew near the house. He could hear music and dancing. And calling one of the servants, he asked what it was all about. And the servant told him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the calf we had been fattening, because he has gotten him back safe and sound. He was angry then, and refused to go in. Occasionally in scripture we're given examples of people who get angry. Angry is a difficult situation to be in, it can be a powerful tool of the devil. (coughs) In angry situations we can say things and do things that we didn't mean. So it's a very good thing to try and avoid getting angry and to control our anger, which is done through the virtue of meekness. And we control our anger by trying to be kind with people and patient, being charitable, realizing that perhaps I have a bit of a temper and I need to control that temper. Fast temper can be fast pride. And all of that is important because that helps us to live at peace with people around us are called to live (coughs) at peace with people and to foster peace in every situation at home, at work, at school in all sorts of places St. Paul says to the Romans as much as possible and to the utmost of your ability be at peace with everyone and of course the devil doesn't like that he tries to stir up trouble so he tries to make us To be at war with everybody, hmm? not to be at peace through interior criticisms or impatience or lack of kindness or lack of temper or a whole pile of things. All peace comes from God, all lack of peace comes from the devil. And so we're told in the letter to the Hebrews, I pray that the God of peace who had brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood that sealed an eternal covenant may prepare you to do his will in every kind of good action, affecting in us all whatever is acceptable to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. (coughs) Blessed are the peacemakers, we're told, for they shall be recognized as children of God. So sometimes we have to try and impose a peace on ourselves. In difficult or angry situations, or when we try to fly off the handle, or something goes wrong. There was a moment when our Lord was in the boat, and there was a tremendous storm on the sea. The apostles were terrified. They were experienced fishermen, they'd seen many storms, but this was the worst. And we're told in St. Mark that our Lord was in the stern of the boat, on the cushion, asleep. Our Lord was totally peaceful and they turned to him and said, Master, does it not concern you that we are perishing? We're told our Lord stood up and he spoke to the elements He said, Peace be still. And there came a great calm. Sometimes we have to know how to say those same words to our imagination, to our reactions to our temper, to our feelings. Peace, be still. Help me to learn how to control my anger, to keep it on a a tight rein. This older brother was angry and he would not go in. He refused to go in. He was stubborn. His father came out and began to urge him to come in. But he retorted to his father, all these years I have slaved for you and never once disobeyed any order of yours. Yet you never offered me as much as a kid for me to celebrate with my friend. So his father comes out and tries to calm him down, pleads with him to come in. This is a moment to celebrate. Your brother has come back. He was lost and is found. But the anger of this brother has made him cold-hearted doesn't want to make his peace with his brother. He's full of criticisms, jealousy, envy. Here I am working hard in your house, and you've never given me anything. And ultimately, what does he want? A goat. Hmm? <coughs> it's all very petty. Hmm? It's all pitiful. Hmm? And we learn from this how we have to always try to be at peace with our brothers and sisters. Occasionally, we might have a bit of a disagreement, an argument. But God wants us to live in peace with our brothers and sisters. Our brothers and sisters are our greatest friends. That's what family is. We can't let our anger overcome us and lead us to say all sorts of things or do all sorts of things. God wants that there would be a great unity in our families. And unity with the people that that we live with, that we study with, that we work with. There might be some person there that we find a bit more difficult to get on with. There might be a brother or a sister that's a bit difficult. But then it's up to us to reach out to that person, to see how to talk to them, what to say to them, to avoid certain topics, not to step on their toes, to be clever, so as to maintain that family peace and unity and serenity. And the same thing in the workplace. And we are born children of anger because of the wounds of original sin. We have a great capacity to get angry at something or at somebody. It's a condition in which the the tongue can work faster than the mind. In angry situations, we can say all sorts of things that we might not say under other circumstances. And some of those things can be bad things, bad words, bad ideas. They can be words that hurt other people. And often the hurt that we cause other people when we're angry, well, it can remain after we have stopped saying those words. We might say something to a brother or sister or a, a friend or an enemy that they remember forever. Forever and forever and forever. God has told us that we would have to give an account in heaven of every idle word. So we need to be careful with our words. Are your words always kind words, patient words? Do your words create peace around you? Or do your words make people jump? Or do they find your words acidic, eh, that reach into their heart and burn them a little bit? eh? Well, we all have to improve in the words that we say and the way that we say it the tone with which we say things. Because we might not be angry, but we might give the impression that we're angry, that there's something wrong, or that there's some great issue that's breaking our heart and is being expressed in our words. There's a story told of Noah who was trying to get two donkeys to go into the into the ark. And he, he was leading the donkeys up the plank to go into the ark, but then the donkeys stopped. And Noah began to pull them and pull them, but they wouldn't budge. And he began to go behind them and push them and push them, but still the donkeys wouldn't budge. And there was no way to get the donkeys to get into the ark. And so finally, exasperated, he said, get in, you devils. And the donkeys trotted into the ark. But then later on, he found two devils in the ark. And he said to the devils, how did you get in here? And they said, you told us to get in here. So sometimes we can say things that we don't really mean or we don't really want. Then those things can happen and we can come to regret what we said or what we did. If we get angry and we get violent, well, uh, we can do damage to things. Everybody has to learn how to control their anger. See, sometimes in certain areas of life, people say, well, you know, you should be very natural. Let it all flow. Mm -hmm. Just follow your feelings. Well, that sounds very good, and it sounds very attractive, but in certain moments of our life, that's the last thing that we should do. If a husband comes home and he's super angry about something, and he wants to throw a brick through the window, his wife doesn't say to him, Oh, follow your feelings. Be natural. You know? Here's the brick. Now put it through the window. Hmm? <clears throat> the wife says, you put down that brick immediately and get a hold of yourself and don't do any damage around here. No, and She'll talk a lot of common sense. You know? and sometimes we are the ones that have to talk a lot of common sense to ourselves. Because there's an evil person inside each one of us. The old person. The gospel speaks about the old person. St. Paul says we have to put off the old person and put on the new person. Be formed in the likeness of Christ. Christ is the new person. And we've come to well, to be more Christ-like in all situations. And that basically means to learn how to put love into practice. Charity is love. It's controlling our anger. It's not saying or doing things that may hurt other people or may damage other people. It's knowing how to be in control. There is a good anger and there's a bad anger. A good anger is an anger to correct. If things are wrong, well, it's very good that we correct them. But in the right way, if somebody's is... Uh, I don't know, laying a table in the wrong way or doing the laundry in the wrong way or mopping a floor with the wrong end of the stick or something, well, we have to try and tell them, no, you use the mop with the other end. No? <clears throat> or you, uh, do, uh, you point the fork on the table or the knife in the other way, in the other direction. No? Well, we have a nice sort of anger to correct them. If we see people mopping the floor with wood, well, and we walk by and say, well, it doesn't really matter. No? Well, that's not a very good reaction to have no? because we want people to do a good job. We want them to learn more things. So there's a certain very slight anger to correct. This was the anger that our Lord had in the temple when he went in and found the money changers and the merchants there. He threw them all out of the temple. The good anger is the anger of a mother with a two-year-old child who tells the child to take that thing out of your mouth because you might swallow it. So she gets angry for a moment, and then she's calm. A bad anger is a banger that smolders on like a fire, the end of a fire, when you're, especially if you're burning leaves or something, a lot of smoke there keeps going there. It smolders on for a long time. Something that somebody said or something that somebody did. We, we keep a grudge or we, we keep a scorecard of past wrongs. That brother said that thing to me 10 years ago, no? Or he scored a goal on me, or he told a lie to my mother about me or something, or got me into trouble. and we, we, We remember that. And maybe we remember it with glee, because someday I'm going to get even. Well, that's a bad sort of anger. We have to try and let those things pass. If ever there's something troubling you, something in your mind or in your heart, or something, somebody has wronged you in some way. Well, come and place that before the tabernacle. Leave that with our Lord. Restore your peace. Remember that for all of the ills we may have, for all the ills other people may have done to us, we have hurt our Lord a thousand times. And he's there on the cross. And so we can offer to him our broken heart our pains, and our wounded hearts, or our memories, or all those other things, and leave them there. Lord, I offer all this to you in atonement for my sins. Every bad word that we may utter, every bad thing that we may say to other people, every time we hurt somebody else, but well, that's a venial sin. And our venial sins hurt our Lord on the cross to try and be sorry for our venial sins and try and avoid them. Have a hatred for them. And we find, that, we find that there's a great anger that dominates the world because people can get angry very easily about all sorts of things. If we're in the state of grace, if God is in our soul, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, well, then we have a great chance of controlling our anger, or being less angry. God is in control. <clears throat> but if we're not in the state of grace, if the devil is in our mind and soul and heart, well, it's very easy for the devil to take control of our tongue and our ideas, and our imagination. The devil is there. All bad things come from the devil. So anger can lie in the heart of men. It can cause a lot of tribulation and chaos. And mean that we are unable to forgive or to ask for forgiveness. The devil on the inside makes us cold hearted. But God invites us to place bridges between ourselves and other people so that we keep these bridges open. We may need to walk on those bridges sometime. If you ever see a bridge someplace, well, Crossing a stream or a river or, or even a highway or something, well, think about how that bridge is very silent. That bridge helps an awful lot of traffic to get from one side of the river to the other. And if you think of all the traffic on that bridge, sometimes you've got very heavy lorries. You see them going very slowly. They're coming all the way from Mombasa and maybe going to Uganda or the Congo. They're crossing this bridge, but the bridge doesn't say, oh, hurry up and get across this bridge. You're too heavy. You know? Get off my bridge. You know? I can't take it anymore. You know? Or maybe there's some young fellow with a super-duper new car and who's flashing across the bridge, and he just for fun, he breaks on the bridge just to see the skid marks. You know? So he leaves the skid marks on the bridge. You no? Know? And the bridge doesn't say, oh, you young jerk, how dare you mark my bridge. No? Or somebody else comes along and, uh, and has to break very suddenly because they're very angry with somebody else. And they screech their brakes and leave a skid mark on the bridge also. The bridge doesn't suddenly yell up and say, look, take your anger somewhere else. No? Don't leave it on my bridge. No? The bridge is silent. The bridge takes everything. The bridge takes all the weight, takes all those slow lorries takes the young jerks who want to do tricks, takes the anger of people that are taking it out on the Matatu drivers or vice versa. The bridge absorbs all those things. Christ invites us to have a a heart like his, which means that we're like a bridge between people, between ourselves and others, family members, workmates, fellow students, people we live with, people we work with, That's one of the ways that we become a team player. We work with other people on the team. Which means I'm happy to be doing the job that I'm doing and I'm happy to do as much as I can. And maybe that other fellow worker of mine has finished her job earlier or has more to do or I'm finished earlier so I go and help her to finish her job. We work together. We don't calculate, well, I'm doing so much and she's not doing so much. Or look at all that I've done and she hasn't done so much. Well, we, we can get angry very quickly and critical and impatient. and We can be very unpleasant, even with ourselves and with other people. Unpleasant to live with and to work with. Whereas if we have an open heart and, and develop that open heart to be kind, to be patient, to be generous, to stamp out any anger before it may begin, that's a great way to live. Hearts that are overcome with anger are difficult to penetrate. We can easily close the door to our heart, refuse to communicate. You did this to me, so now I'm going to do this to you. You talk to me like that, so now I'm not going to say a word to you for the next week. I'm not going to even look at you. If there's somebody with whom, <clears throat> with whom you cannot communicate, well, then there's a grudge. You have to be able to communicate with everybody. Maybe we don't have to sit down and talk to them for three hours, but we do have to say, good morning, how are you? Did you sleep okay? Are you feeling well? Or notice if they're not feeling well or not so good today or something. You have to be able to communicate and keep the channels of communication open always. There cannot be a brother or sister in our family with whom we don't speak. It's not a good sign. We're all susceptible to the problems that may come with anger. Even if we try to lead holy lives, well, we still have the wounds of original sin. And any little bit of anger that gets in there, well, it can become full-blown. It can grow and grow. Bitterness and resentment can get bigger and bigger in the course of our life. That's why we can't allow the devil any little chance. We've got to drown out those bad thoughts or bad feelings or bad relations. Drown evil with an abundance of good. It's difficult for the Spirit of God to live in a heart that's full of anger. In such a heart only hatred and violence live. We should have hatred only for the devil. And try and use that word very sparingly. Don't say, I I hate this type of work. No? Or I hate this type of food. No? Or I hate this or I hate that. No? We're called to love all things. Maybe I don't like this particular thing or I prefer something else. Even use terms that are a bit more acceptable. The word hatred is is very strong. Keep hatred for sin. Hatred for the devil. The devil can enter through anger. can be a way to get into our soul. And therefore it's very good to get out of angry situations. How do we do that? Well, often by writing things down. If I'm very angry about something, well, write down. Get all your feelings out on paper and maybe put it into a fire or give it to your spiritual director or give it to somebody who can burn it for you. But often that's a way of getting out pent-up feelings, or go to the confessional box or to the director of the center and say, look, I'm angry about this particular thing. And very often that diffuses situations. We get it, we get it out. We talk about it. That's half the battle. Then the devil sees that we have diffused it. We've let the air out of the tires a little bit. Well, then he's lost his, his weapon. And it's a great way to get out of angry situations. We might have to go to somebody someday and say, look, I'm boiling. I'm boiling mad. Or this person that said that thing, or this other person that did that other thing, or that matatu driver, or that person that was so impertinent, or cheeky, or unjust with me. No? Well, all those things happen to us from time to time. But it's great if we can get those things out, recover our peace, restore our peace. The book of Proverbs says, a fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise person keeps himself under control. We find that the Holy Family, in all the difficult situations of their life, when their plans changed, go to Bethlehem, go to Egypt, now go back to where you came from. We don't find Saint Joseph losing his temper and say, oh, again, another change of plan. No? Well, you get it right the first time. Well, you give me the full plan and let me know what I'm supposed to do. Joseph doesn't get angry with God. He just humbly accepts things. Okay. You want me to go here? I go here. You want me to go there? I go there. The virtue of meekness helps us to control that anger, to moderate it, and all of the disorderly effects that may come from it. One of the expressions of meekness is patience. Patience helps us to endure present evils without sadness or resentment. If someday we have a bit more work, every day in our life, every, every so often there's a bit more work, a bit more work because maybe it's raining hmm, and people walk into the school with muddy feet. Hmm, Or maybe somebody has made a mess someplace, or maybe there's just uh, some big thing happening and there's extra work. Well, every professional person has extra work sometimes, every mother of a family, every father of a family. But you can't get angry just because I have to work a little more, an extra hour today or tomorrow or the next day. Patience with situations, patience with life, patience with people. Patience with ourselves. Maybe we're the ones that made the mess. <laughs> Maybe it's all our fault, and that makes us even more angry. <laughs> well, patience to control, to offer us up, to carry on, to endure the present evils, and without sadness. Someday day with uh, an extra bit of work, but we don't have to go around with a big long face. No, we have to work a bit more. Poor me, self-pity, martyr complex. No. How hard I work, how little I complain. What a saint I am. Well, we try and accept the extra things that come our way with peace, with serenity, with joy. It's a wonderful thing if on some occasion there's a bit of extra work and we know how to be cheerful. We help the other people who also want to get angry or feel bad or feel tired or all sorts of things. Or about to go to bed one day and it's been a long day, there's been a lot of work. And suddenly there's an emergency or suddenly something else has to be done or a pipe starts to leak and there's a flood or uh, there's some crisis that has to be managed. Well, okay, we go and we handle it with peace and with serenity. We learn how to endure those little contradictions without that martyr complex. We learn how to handle difficulties. There's a great talent in life to to learn how to do, to handle difficult situations with peace, without giving in to sadness or reacting with a growing sense of rage. You know? How dare that person call me at this hour of the night? You know? Do you know what time it is? <laughs> All those sort of interruptions that may come. You know? We learn how to handle difficult situations, because maybe that person's in trouble. Maybe that person needs a, a listening ear. Maybe that person needs our open heart, not our harsh words. They need our patience, our kindness, our availability, our generosity, to be there for them in that difficult moment. And so we can ask God to give us this grace a little more, and virtue of meekness to control the anger, to be more charitable in those difficult situations. To think of other people. To forget about ourselves. Very often our anger comes from thinking about ourselves. It's an expression of selfishness. If you look at some of the writings of St. Jose Maria, like The Way, The Forge, The Furrow, you'll find very frequently the words appear there forget yourself. Part of our battle to be more Christ-like is to conquer our selfishness. We're all super selfish. I love myself too much. The greatest problem in our spiritual life. I love my comfort. I love my sleep. I love my pleasures. I love this. I love that. Well, God wants us to forget about all those things. To give ourselves to other people. We solve all our problems by thinking about the others. How can I work better as to help the others? How can I be a more cheerful team player to help the others? The more you forget about yourself, the happier you become. And that means also forgetting about our little angers, or the things that make us angry, or the things that upset us, or the things that go wrong. So we we learn how to take all those things in our stride. We see Our Lady and St. Joseph going to Bethlehem, going to Egypt, with a great peace, with a great serenity. We're not told in Scripture that Herod was out to get them, and Joseph and Mary were boilingly furious, no? Or they went to Egypt grinding their teeth, If it wasn't for that Herod, we could stay here in the place that we've made and comfortable, and here we are changing our life again. (coughs) They didn't go to Egypt with all those sentiments in their heart. Well, likewise, we can't walk around all day grinding our teeth, No? and uh, cursing and uh, saying bad words or life has treated me so bad. We have to learn how to handle things with that great peace we see in the Holy Family. And so we could ask Our Lady that we might not be like that older son in the parable of the prodigal son. He was older, he should have known better. We are older, we need to know better, more mature, more adult. All of that involves controlling that anger. And so we can ask Our Lady that you might help us to grow in the virtues that we need in order to be more charitable. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel,